Are you excited? You better be after that time of worship. That was encouraging. I love it. I love it. Ah, you know, I I was standing there, and I was thankful for those songs that have a lot of humming in them. I know it might sound redundant at times, but for a guy who can't sing a tune, it's perfect. You know what I mean? I can't mess that up. And then as I was standing there worshiping, and you might have saw, some of you might have saw, I commented to my wife, we had a little guy over here in our kids' ministry, he was doing the floss. Do you all understand what the floss is during it, right? YouTube it later, you'll see. You know, I was like, look at that, that guy's getting it going, man. He's worshiping. That's what I'm talking about. I didn't know we could do that for Jesus. That's awesome. Anyway, listen up. We started last week a, um, a, a new series, so to speak, called Fresh Air. And we understand that many times, man, look, we go through the mundane, we go through the routine. Um, let's just face it, sometimes just church at times for us can get really boring. Our spiritual life can get really boring at times, especially in this season that we're in, summertime. I mean, you got so many things that have been happening, so many things going on in your life, and you find yourself really just going through tradition. You really find yourself just going through routine. You really just start doing things because you feel like you have to. And if you really sit back for a minute, you can do it like a spiritual evaluation and go, you know what, I'm not feeling it. Something's just not quite right. You know, I'm not where I was hoping to be, or I'm not where where I once was. And so what happens is, is we just, we, we, we really get into what we call a slump, spiritually. So where we're not really being productive for God, <laughs> and honestly, let's just face it, we feel like God's not being productive for us. Um, the first topic that we talked about was prayer. And one of the, the fascinating parts of prayer that we talked about last week was when Jesus was off praying, and uh, we read that uh, in, in, in the Gospels, and we understand that he was off praying, and the disciples, what were they do? They were observing him in his time of prayer. Because they were used to praying, okay? They understood what prayer was in that time. It was tradition for them to have all of these memorized prayers in the Jewish culture. And so their prayers weren't really, um, you know, they weren't really personable. They were doing it because they felt like they needed to or because they had to. So their, their prayer life was mainly full of just praying out of memorization. And but they were observing Jesus at this time. And they were watching him and they were listening and they were like, you know what? We want that. Because when he talks to his father, because we understand who God is, he's just not God, is he? He's who? He's our daddy, right? He is our father. And in order to grow any type of personal relationship with any one person, thing, or especially God, you have to have some communication involved within it. And so the disciples were standing there or sitting there or whatever they were doing, I don't know. But they were watching Jesus pray. And so when he finished, they were like, you know what? We want to pray like that. How can Teach us to pray. So we... You know, Jesus being Jesus, absolutely, you know, and this is how you should pray. And he gave them the what? The Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer that we have done what? We have memorized and we have made it a prayer. And you look in any, you know, sports fields all across the United States, you know, right before any team takes a field, almost, it's, unfortunately, it's probably decreased a lot in, in the, through the generations. But teams take the field first and foremost after what? They pray the Lord's Prayer or after a sporting event, what will they do? They will pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, understand that the Lord's Prayer wasn't meant to be prayed. That prayer was not meant to be prayed because Jesus didn't want that prayer to be like every other prayer, and that was eventually what? Be powerless. 
not have any significance to it. In fact, the Lord's Prayer was topical in seven different topics, and we looked at them last week. And so my prayer today, or my hope actually today for you guys, is that whatever you got from last week, that hopefully you've put it into your prayer life and you've seen maybe a difference. Now, here's what I want to say, because I was thinking about that this week. I was like, you know, what if they took what I gave them and began to implement it, and somewhere along the way realize I'm not doing this right, or get down on themselves because they forgot to pray, or, or something to that nature. What I want to say, and I want to encourage you this, it's okay to fail at times. When you know what you're supposed to do and you fail at it, sometimes that's okay. Why? Because then you know something's happening here where there's a development, there's a change, and there's a discipline that's beginning to take place. And what's happening is is you're beginning to break down some old ways and some old habits, and some new things are trying to overtake it. So the enemy is doing what? Doing everything he can to attack you, to distract you, and to take the vision away from you from what God has planned for you. So instead of becoming down on ourselves, we can look at that and go, oh, I see what God's doing. He's working. He's changing me. He's making me into a better person. So even if you have failed this week in that prayer that we've been talking about, that we talked about last week, I want to encourage you, don't stop. Don't stop. When you get that guilt feeling, it's not the end of the world. That's the Holy Spirit speaking, wanting to move and is continually directing you. But today we're going to take another subject about this whole fresh air. Because we all need what? That freshness back into our spiritual lives. That's why we go through what we consider a slump. Spiritual slump. Alright? We want some freshness back in. So we're going to take a look at our key verse. 2 Timothy 1 and 16. Let me tell you, I've been working on this one word like all week still. Alright? May the Lord, now remember, understand this, this is Paul speaking. Remember, we talked about Paul. I talk about Paul a lot. I mean, two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul. So, obviously, you know, this guy is going to get a lot of attention, okay? So, this is Paul speaking. He says, may the Lord bless Onesiphorus. I nailed it. I nailed it, all right? I broke it down. That's how I nailed it, all right? And all his family, because he visited me. How many of you know when you are in the most lowest state of mind, in the lowest state of of your spiritual walk, you need somebody around you that's got a positive vibe, right? You You ever find yourself looking for somebody just to encourage you? Yeah, you know? And watch this. Sometimes you can be, have you ever noticed, you can be around people, they have said nothing to you that's been inspirational, but yet you left encouraged? That's the type of person I want to be. When people are around me, I want to know that when they leave being around me, and I didn't even address an issue that they're going through, that they've left encouraged. I hope that's your desire for your life too. But so here Paul has his friend. And he says, and so the, may the Lord bless Onesiphorus and all his family because why? He visited me and he encouraged me often. What does that mean? Be an encouragement to somebody's life. I mean, if somebody were to write about their story, their own personal story, would they label you in there as being a person who brought inspiration and encouragement, or would you be left out? We'll just let that sink in for a second. He says, he visits, his visits revived me like what? A breath of fresh air. Now, we understand that the Greek to that means uh, back into my sails or 
recover breath. In other words, man, this was great. This was inspirational. This is bringing life back into me. This is helping me. Now, we all have seasons in our walk where we get into that slump, the mundane, the routine. That, let's be honest. We're, sometimes we just don't get excited. We don't get excited about church. Sometimes we don't get excited about our, our relationship with God, our spiritualness. Sometimes we don't get you know, excited about life in general. That's what I want us to get away from. I want God to just breathe life through this sermon series, especially what we're talking about today. And I hope that today's message will encourage you in some way. But we're going to take a look about breathing fresh air or allowing God to breathe fresh air into our loving relationship with him. So many of us, um, you know, God is what? God is our God. God is our worship. But for some, he isn't someone that we've been enjoying or loving that much. One of the ways we express our love to God is where? Right here this morning. Right, right what you have already been doing through our church service. But it's unfortunate that times in church services where people just don't seem to look forward to. You know, I, I remember growing up, and, and I remember, you know, <laughs> I was in a pastor's home, so I was forced to go to church all the time. I mean, every service, it was like, man, if it's a women's prayer meeting. My mom's dragging me. You know, I'm like, Mom, I'm a guy, you know? I mean, what do you want me to do, you know? And I remember those times, and I remember sometimes where it wasn't fun to go to church. And I used to think to myself, even as, as a, a kid, even as a teenager, watch this, even as an adult sometimes, man, we got to do something different. Something different has to be done. And so I started thinking about that this week, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not what we have to do different. Maybe I personally need to do some things differently. Um, this is a place where we need to show expression, our love expression to God. Just like we express them, what, within our families, our activities. Listen to this. Some of you love your dog more than you show love to God. Notice I didn't say cat. All right? Think about it. The attention. Isaiah chapter 38, 18 through 19 says this. For the grave, that's dead things, right? For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. But the living, the living, they what? They praise you. So what I want us to do is, is bring fresh air back into our worship. Worship of not just spending time and it becomes a, a mundane, a routine, or a tradition within the church. Not, not like that. I want us to talk about displaying our love. Displaying our, 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 our love language to God, it's displaying and allowing God to fill us with something maybe that you have been longing for for a long time. I have two interesting points that I'm going to look throughout this message. And what I want us to see, and I think this is a great concept, and I'm going to ask you this question. What is the proper expression of worship to God? Most would say, well, you know, let me do it my way. That's where we're at in our society today. Well, let me figure it out. Let me, let me do things that make me comfortable in my style because my style is what? Mine. Tradition is, becomes my what? Worship. All right? If worship is love, listen to this. If worship is love expressed, and if you're going to love in a great way, then you need to focus on the one that you are loving and what he wants and not what you like. 
I should be just a tad bit deep there for you. All right. Uh, you know, my wife and I, you know, I love her. She's, she's going to kill me. All right. She's already looking at me like, what are you about to say? But it's, I'm not to love her the way I want to be loved. I'm to love her the way that she desires to be loved. That's when love is felt for her in the same way for me. Do you got that? Same way for me. All right. Watch this. Dr. Derry, Gary Chapman, he wrote a book several years ago. Many of you might have heard of it or even read it yourselves. It's called The Five Love Languages. It's a great concept, uh, and it, it basically gives out five love languages. Here's the first one, acts of service, quality time, gift giving, words of affirmation, physical touch, or what? Closeness. He says that in a love language, you need to find the secret of the love language of the one that you're trying to love. Now, think about that for a second. Watch this. I have, I've got three sons, all right? And I need to love them. So I, as I was going through this, I was sitting there going, well, what, is their, what, is, like, what do they like? I mean, what, is, what makes them who they are when it comes to relationship? So I figured out Kyle is all about gift giving. Right? If you can give him something, you've got his attention. All is well. All right? Carter, spit an image of Kyle on this one. All right? He's about gift. Gi- I want it. Give it to me. That's how you're going to love me. You know? And, but the, the, it's scary. They're almost, they're so alike in so many ways, other than the fact that Carter talks constantly. You know, the other day we were driving down in, in the vehicle, and, and all I could hear was just Carter talking. And I was like, what? I looked at Andrew, I was like, what in the world is he even talking about? She's like, I have no idea. Just talking away, you know. And then we have our little guy named Caden, and he's really opposite. He's not about what he can get. He's about what you can do for him. You know, acts of service. You know, he'll look at me and be like, pick that up. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? No. And he's so persistent, he won't stop until you what? Pick it up. And, and then he's like, I love you, Daddy. And I'm like, yeah, you got me wrapped is what you got me, you know. And then the next minute he'll look at you and go, don't talk to me. You know, it's just ridiculous. And then my wife, she's all about quality time. At least that's what I think, all right. Quality time. We spend quality time together. What happens? That relationship grows. Well, here's the point that I'm getting at. Is God has a love language. And we need to know what that love language is and what it's all about so that we can act in that manner toward him so that why he can feel loved. And when God feels loved, what happens within our lives? We begin to flow out of what we consider that spiritual slump. Why? Because now we are in an act of service to him. We're showing quality time to him. We're having that physical touch with him. We're giving words of affirmation to him, and he's reciprocating that and then bringing the blessing right back into your life. I love that part. But we need to understand that this thing is not about us. Today, here we are in this service. It's not about us. It's about who? It's about God. You know, uh, Revelations 4, 6 plainly tells us this. For your pleasure, we are created. Whose pleasure? For God's pleasure, we were created. So we have a responsibility to love him and to show that expressions, those expressions of love to him. Oftentimes we treat treat it the opposite way. Well, God just needs to show the love to me. 
I believe that, no, we need to begin to show the love to God. We see right there, we were created, what? For his pleasure, all right? So if that's true, we deserve, we, we do deserve a, you know, a good with feelings. A God who loves to be loved and a God who has a love language needs to understand and feel that we are demonstrating these qualities to him. Now, like, unlike people who won't tell you but expect you to figure it out, God spells it out for us through Scripture. You know, we, we see that really in, in Psalms, uh, the longest book within the Bible, 150 Psalms, all right? But watch out. Of everything that we do here at the church, whether it's a, it's a teaching, a class, a service like we have now, a life group, um, our first Wednesdays, food bank ministry, sermons, worship, everything that we do, one thing should always remain, and that is our expression of love to God. Nothing should ever overtake what our responsibility is when we show an expression of love toward God. So why is this important? So that we can fully understand the context of how we need to communicate to him. Watch this. There, there's a, um, I want to I take a look with you in, in some what I consider are words or ways that we can demonstrate a contents of praise to God. Now, understanding with praise, uh, the word is used over and over again in Scripture. All right, It is uh, something that in the original Hebrew language actually has seven different, different definitions for us. And we're going to look at those. And the first one is this. The first word for praise in our Bible would be Hallel. Uh, it is where we get hallelujah from. It means to boast or to rave, to celebrate, or even to glamorously, or even glamorously foolish, all right? So that means we are to what? Rave and to boast and to celebrate God. That is what we're, watch this scripture in Psalms twenty-two twenty-six. They who seek the Lord will, what? Halil, or praise him. What does that mean? Those who seek the Lord will rave him, will boast about him. Those who seek the Lord will what? Celebrate him. And we will even do it, what? Glamorously foolish. Why are we so expressive in our worship? Because God says he likes it. He loves it. The second one is this, yada. This means to acknowledge in public. Acknowledging in public, you know, it's almost like a PDA, a public display of affection toward God, right? Meaning to what? Lift, um, lifting our hands to God and acknowledging him. Psalm, Psalms 138 one says, I will praise you or I will what? Yada you. I will what? I will acknowledge you in public, you, O Lord, with all of my heart. That's a big one right there for us. That's saying, God, I'm going to acknowledge you in everywhere that I go, my work, my job, my family, my friendships, my sphere of influence. Everywhere, Lord, I'm going to acknowledge you and not be ashamed of who you are in my life. Third one would be this, Barak, meaning to, to bless by kneeling or bowing, meaning to, to bless by what? Giving thanks, boasting. Raving through what? Kneeling and bowing. To honor God. Simply presenting ourselves saying, God, here I am. Here I am, Lord. This is an act of praise. Here I am, God. Watch this. Psalms 103.1. Praise the Lord, O my soul. 
all my inmost being. Praise, or let's throw the definition in, here I am, Lord. Speak to me. Fourth one would be zamar, meaning making music and God with strings. Why do we have guitars up here on the stage? Because God likes it. We say, well, I don't. Well, guess what? It's not about you. It's about God. That's, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Psalm 92, like he said it, not me. You know what I'm saying? Psalm 92, 1. It is good to what? Praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. Stop complaining about how long worship is. If you get into worship, you wouldn't know how long it was. Oh, hold on. I got to do something here for a second. All right. Psalm 150. Is this going to, uh, can you turn this up or whatever you need to do? Watch this. It's just going to get loud here just for a second. All right. Can you hear me? Psalm 150 says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. I ain't got a trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. I ain't got it. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. I'm not a dancer, but some of you might. That's cool. Praise him with strings and a pipe. I can't play a guitar. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Sorry, don't, don't cry. Don't cry, Larry, okay? Watch this. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. Because it goes on to say, praise him with the resounding. That means that's unmistakable. That means that's a repetitive symbol. Listen, that's just going to keep going, isn't it? That's loud. Listen, you know what that means? Oh, let me finish it. And it goes on to say, let everything that what? Has breath, praise the Lord. All right? Now, my favorite part is about the symbols. Because that one is still going. I can hear it ringing. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry if I broke it. But here's why this is my favorite part. Because that's the sound that disturbs most all of us. That we can hear the loudest. And it's placed in the word of God for a reason. Because our praise should go out in our everyday life while we're here in church, as a clashing symbol to where not only can it be, no, no, let me rephrase this. It cannot be mixed in with the mundane and the routine and the traditions of life, but it is what's set apart so everyone and everything can hear it distinctively because it is above everything else and it's different. Now what is more encouraging, as you look at that next phrase, and it goes on to say, with the what resounding Symbols. What does that mean? Repeat it. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't get quiet because everyone else around you has gotten quiet. Don't allow the enemy to silence your voice when it comes to what God is wanting to speak through you. Be bold. Be vibrant. Be vigilant. Go after God. Boast after God. Be proud of who you are. 
as a son and a daughter of God. All right, that's cool. I think this is five. Shabbat. I love this one. It means to address in a loud tone or to what? A shout. Psalm 63, verses 3 through 4 says, because your love is better than life. The psalmist, David here writing, the psalmist right here writing, because he's saying, because your love is better than life, my, my lips, they will do what? They will glorify you. Verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. God's love language is an audibly. He wants it audibly, loud. He loves it. Number six, toda, means to lift our hands in adoration. This one is dealing with the things that we specifically have not received. We will yada you, giving something to you, Lord. Watch this, Psalm 50, 23 says, He who offers praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversations aright, will I show the salvation of God. You know, the, the, uh, the other day I had a privilege to be with a group of children who were in a worship service area. And the moment worship came on, man, them kids, they ran down to the front and they put their hands up. And they were in motion. Now, they were being taught the motions. But that was still an act of worship. I could stand here right now and tell you to raise your hand, do this, and you're going to sit there and be like, I'm like 40 years old, I ain't doing it. When have we gotten to the point that we're so wise that we're dumb? I'll just leave that one there. All right. Number seven. This is the last one of, of this, and then we're going to get into something else. But tequila, not tequila. All right. Tequila. So let's get that right. That's in what? An exuberant singing. Psalms 34 and 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise or exuberant singing will always be on my lips. Always be. Watch this. Now, that's not just when we're here worshiping in a worship set service like this. I'm telling you, you want to get out of that slump, man. Take some of this stuff. Take your notes. You got it there. Begin to implement these things within your life and see what does not change. And see what does change. Watch your spiritual life take off. Watch it grow. Watch your, I love, I think I said this even last week. We, we sing that song about, you know, breaking chains. I, I forget how it goes now, but that's okay. You don't want to hear it anyway. Not from me. But when we begin to allow these, these terms of, of, of praise be demonstrate, being demonstrated from us, it begins to do something within the atmosphere of your life. Some things begin to change. and well, You were always wanting change. My prayer, every service I, in my office, I, I go, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, but more importantly, change us. Change us, God. I believe when we allow these things to become a part of our lives, it will change us. Anytime you want to fire up a great relationship, find the love language and see that that love language or that relationship changes. Fresh air can what? Come into your marriage. It can come into your relationship with your kids, with friendships. Watch this. Within your job and also within your spiritual life. My job every week is to stand here and put fresh air back into your life. Put me to the test. 
Your next opportunity of worship, why don't you do this? Love God according to God's love language and see if you don't leave here with a little bit of wind back in your sail. You are worshiping something. You're worshiping something even right now. The question is, what is that you're worshiping? We're going to look at a worship, what I consider checkup for here for a second. And that is a list of a couple things here that I think that we need to take a look at it as an inventory daily within our lives. You know, Mark 12 and 30 says this, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You know, God, Jesus gives us the, the, the first and the greatest commandment of loving God and what? Loving people. So I believe that Jesus gives us three things. And the first one is this. Expressing my affection to God. If you're going to worship anything with your heart, soul, it will be affectionate. Your affections are going to go somewhere, but are they going to God? What is it in your life? Are you worshiping? You know, if my kids, for instance, they come to me for a hug and a kiss and I backed off and said, hey, you know what? I, I, I don't do that, but I love you with all my heart. That's not showing any affection to them. That's just a bunch of words that seem very meaningless. How are you treating God when he's looking for that hug? He's looking for that love language to be fulfilled. Are you saying, you know, Lord, I love you in words only? If I treated God that way, which many of us do, you know, God, I love you, but let's not quite go there. Let's not get wrapped up into this affection thing. God, you know, I'm okay with where we're at. Are you really? I mean, let me ask that question. Are you okay spiritually with where you're at? Or do you want more? Do you want more of God in your family? Do you want more of God at your work and your finances? Do you want more of God in your relationships? Do you want more of God in you? Then it can't be a relationship based upon words only. You've got to show affection to him. You know, how do I check myself on that? What do I love most? What is it that you love the most? I love David kind of said, you know what, God, you're the apple of my eye. I'd rather be, you know, a greeter in the house. I, I would rather be a greeter than be in the house of the wicked. You know, I'm reading a book on David's life right now. And it, it, it's, it's definitely a very interesting book. And, and it, it definitely portrays David in a different light than what we have maybe taught as a church. But what I've noticed is his affection toward God through, throughout the scriptures never changed. He did it all in, all the time. And why do you think God continued to come right back in the bless? Come right back in the bless. Come right back in the bless. He constantly showed affection toward God. Second thing we can look at is this, focusing my attention of God, or on God, excuse me, focusing my attention on God. Whatever it is you love, you will find time for it. What are the things in your life that you have been finding time for lately? 
that you're willing to push everything aside so that you can find time for that. Think about it. Now let me ask you a question. How much are you reading the word? How much are you praying? How much are you allowing a gathering to come into God's house become a priority with you and your family? But what do you think about the most? What, what, what do I love the most? Is my attention on God in this manner? Am I going, God, everything else doesn't matter. My attention's going to be upon you and what you want. Listen, that doesn't mean you can't have loves. Other loves in your life, you can. They just can't overtop God. I love spending time with my family. God will come first, then my family, and then you as a church. I've said that from day one. What are the things that you're placing in front of God? I was talking with a, a good friend the other day, and he was talking about golf and his love for golf and how much he loves golfing. And I was like, I love golfing too. I said, we should go golf sometime. He's, but he's really good and I'm not. You know what I mean? You ever been with somebody that's really good at something and you're not? And then once you're like, yeah, let's do it. And then you get out there and you're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done this. You know, we haven't done it yet, but that's what I'm thinking in my mind. I'm gonna be like, maybe we should not have done this. You know, it's okay to love things. I loved the clam. I went clamming yesterday. I absolutely love clam. I remember the first time I went clamming, Pastor Thorne took me out. It was like my first week or two here. And we went out clamming. I remember him telling me about it. I was like, this sounds like the most boring thing in the entire world. If you've never been clamming, you don't know what I'm talking about. You take this rake and you're pulling it behind you. And you're waiting to hit this clam and then pry up, dig up and put it in. And I remember he, I, was, I sat in a boat and I was watching one of him and his friends do it. And I was just sitting there. And because uh, I was observing what they do. I'm, I always watch everything before I do anything. And so they were, they were doing it. And I was like, this, that looks like yard work. I ain't about yard work. You know what I mean? And I remember hopping out, and I got that clam, in my hand, that clam rake in my hand, and I started doing it, and I hit that first clam. I got underneath of it. I dug that thing up. It was like that big. I picked it up, and I was like, ah, presenting it to God as a love offering. You know what I mean? Like, look what I did. He's like, it's a clam. I'm like, I know, but look, I got it, you know? And, and, and I remember the rest of that day as I was doing it, it was the most peaceful time. And that's why I love going claiming because it's peaceful. If you don't have the kids with you, it's peaceful. You know? But you sit there and you're raking the clams. And, 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 and I, whenever I have an opportunity to do it without the family with me, <laughs> I, I, I'm just reflecting on God. You know, what God's doing. You know, what's so cool is when you get involved in with what you love and you allow God to be a part of it, that becomes like a prayer time, a worship time all to itself, does it not? But here's what we do. We separate God away from the things that we love that are apart from him because we don't think there's any room for God to be in it and it won't be fun anymore. It won't be fulfilling anymore. I promise you this. Find those things that you love to do. Allow God to be a part of it and see what happens. All right. That's why I'm a firm believer. There is baseball in heaven. All right. Amen. I heard that one. Number three, and this is huge for us. And look, I talk about this all the time, almost in every message, and that is use my abilities for God. When we serve God, 
it's worship. Watch this. Leading a small group, it's worship. Playing an instrument up here, it's worship. Being in the sound area and taking care of the sound needs and the media needs, that's an act of worship. Being out here in our first impressions team and shaking people's hands, that's an act of worship. Being back there, and I'm so thankful for my puddle jumper, puddle jumper workers, kid city ministry workers, nursery workers. They're all back there right now so that you can sit here. Amen. So that you can sit here and enjoy this service. That is an act of worship. In fact, I think God must bless them even more than they bless every other act, right? You know, watch this. Making a cup of coffee for someone out here in the cafe, that is an act of worship. First Wednesdays, everyone involved in those, that's an act of worship. Watch this. Finding a piece of trash that's laying on the floor within the church that you are a part of and membership of, that you have a responsibility of picking it up, putting it in a trash can without coming to me, crying to me about it every five seconds. That's an act of worship. I love God, don't you? So, what, in other words, what I do the most, what is it that you do the most? Is it an act of worship to God? Are you portraying it to God? You know, are, are you doing it for God? You know, if you're here working just to please me, stop, please. Because it's not going to be a blessed ministry. I appreciate it, but don't do it no more. But if you're doing it for God, then keep on doing it. Or if you realize maybe I've been doing it for the wrong reason and you want to do it for God, we'll pray through, all right? But let's do whatever we do. Let's do it for God. Not for ourselves or, or, or the person sitting beside you, but God, this is me. This is what you've allowed me. I've got an ability. I've got a heart for this, and you're allowing me to be a part of it. I'm going to do this act, out of acts of love to you and appreciation to you. Why? Because God's got a love language. He wants to be praised. He wants you to show praise. He wants you to do things. He wants you to be verbal about it. He wants you to be physical with it. He wants you to show him that love. Stay with me this morning. Yeah, I love that. It's, uh, the problem isn't the environment you're in or what is around you. The problem really just becomes you. We were created, Revelation says, we were created what? To praise him. That is our purpose. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. And I didn't even tell Brad this, so my apologies to him. But we're talking about worship. We're going to end this service with a worship song today. And so I want to do, I don't care what it is. I'm not a singer, all right? And I'm not going to sing. Oh, I will. I'll turn the mic off though, all right? But I want you for the next few moments to stand there and man, just, you know what? Do it. Give it to him. If you feel the impression to lift that, lift that hand. If you want to clap, clap. I don't know what kind of song it's going to be. Don't clap off beat, all right? But whatever it is you want to show to God this morning, just do it. Do it. There's a spirit of freedom. Where the presence of God is, everything changes. All right? So let's worship him for a minute.
Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us an understanding, a, a wisdom, and a knowledge when it comes to the expressions of love that you so desire, the affections, Lord, that you want to see from us. So as we leave this place today, let us not just leave God with this wisdom and this knowledge. But Lord, let us begin to leave with practice. What I mean by that, Lord, is that we will begin to implement it. We will begin to do it within our lives. God, that we will allow our prayer time to be personable with you and, and affectionate, Lord, through our outward expressions to you. And God, may when people see us, Lord, they see a different person, a different people. That they don't see us as society, but they see us as the bride of Christ, the church. So, Father, may we make a difference in the world that we live in, in that sphere of influence. Everyone, Lord, that we come in contact with, families, jobs, workplaces. God, we love you. Move. And God, as we leave this place, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Father, every gift, giving, tithing, offering given to you this day, may it be used to continue to grow your kingdom. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys.